Eight years of trying, eight years of frustration for the number seven car to win. Damn it, this doesn't quite work. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Triple seven on the slot reel, ready to go. Why couldn't this crew just put it together last week? Or last year, I should say. <laughs> Guys, well, welcome well to- a turbocharger decided to protest the yeah, perfect yeah. alignment of sevens. You got you gotta respect the unserious peaceful protest. Hey gang, welcome to episode three nineteen of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and we are back for a very special episode. It's it's the yearly look at Le Mans, and uh, it's kind of a weird one because it kind of went by the form book, but how we got there was quite interesting, sort of. You'll see how we talk about it as we go. But with me, as always, we have Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hello, everyone. Um, back with the iPhone light in my room because there's nothing <laughs> like moving your your lamp in your room anticipating you're not going to have enough daylight, hitting the switch, and nothing happens. <laughs> so if you're wondering you what that is, board. if you're wondering what that is in my glasses, yes, that is my iPhone light. If the catch is on fire, well, it was time for a new phone anyway. <laughs> this isn't a Galaxy Note 7. <laughs> no, no, they didn't make the batteries out of C4 plastic explosives. You don't have to worry about it. It helps. It most certainly helps. Oh, Jay, how you doing, my man? Uh, I, I'd like to think I finally caught up on all the sleep that I've been missing. Oof. You know, the last 72 hours have felt like, you know, one giant blur to me. I spent all of Sunday afternoon after Lama pretty much asleep. Me and my partner <laughs> yeah. slept the whole Sunday away. You know, which was good. You know, we could safely do that because a hurricane that was heading up on the east course kind of decided, eh, I'm just going to be a tropical depression once I make landfall. I don't want to carry too much momentum into this. Thankfully. Uh, what I'm else happened? Um, professional Wrestling's um, favorite ex-boyfriend came back. They're deciding <laughs> to get together again after a couple of years away because we've all changed. Uh, and we'd like to think we've all changed for the better. Free popsicles for everyone. Free ice cream bars for everyone. Every it, it, this is all on you, Vince. It, it's 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 all. I, I, I love that that was a thing. I love that wrestling went absolutely apocalyptic for the return of uh, CM Edgelord. Um, and I'm I'm glad that Chicago went absolutely bananas over that. Um, it, 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 it was like Christ had literally arrived in physical form. The in, in way Chicago. I try to explain this to people who aren't into pro wrestling, and I right. wish I could take credit for this, just like, okay, you remember when it was always a bullshit, insane rumor that Sephiroth was going to be in Smash Brothers, and then it finally happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or Mega Man, for that matter. Super fighting robot! Mega Man! <laughs> Mega save the Earth! <laughs> yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. So how did WWE respond? Bring back Brock Lesnar. <laughs> for the 15th time. God, I love it. <laughs> may, may Vince never change. But now uh, with a ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for Viking Brock at, the, at this point. Uh, King, how you doing, big man? 
Well, uh, looking at the color of my shirt, I guess I'm assessing the potential of Mark and Alex Marquez joining Manchester City soon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's turned his back on the side. How dare you betray your your KTM roots to try and... I know Man City need a strike and Harry Kane is off the table. So you thought, you know, we're going to pull for a very, very fast man. Maybe he only has one good leg at this point. Um, but no, legs are fine. Yeah, no, no, actually, you know, it, it fit perfectly, given you don't have to use your arm. Yeah, very true. Very true. Very true. I just so, think uh, it would have been better if, you know, they brought in somebody with a bit more upside, like a Cal Crutchlow or a Sam Lowe's or a Jake Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing British journos lose their mind because we had a, a meeting of the Catalan giants of sports and not the Brits for the British Grand Prix. And a race which, and I'm going to say it to the top and I'll say it again towards the end of the show. This MotoGP race is free to air in the UK. It is on ITV1, the big boy channel. Um, Kyle Crutchlow would have absolutely moved that needle more. No doubt about it. You got get Jake Dixon in blue, down to Manchester, have him interview the players. I know it's a bit tricky because of COVID and all of that, right? But at least have him fist bump the coach on the way in. We'd, 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 MotoGP would be 90,000 strong and 10 million people would watch on ITV. Isn't that right, King? <laughs> what well, well, I'm trying to tell you right. is that by the time this episode comes out, if you're not already sitting around a TV watching this British Grand Prix on YouTube, or on television, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, the only way this isn't going to happen if, let's say, I don't know, it rains and the tarmac is not adequately equipped to drain the water oh. in the manner that should. Don't, we never talk about that, about with regards to recent British motorcycle Grands Prix. <laughs> It's it, it's a weird time that this is the first British Grand Prix we've actually had in three years, but here we are. Um, well, what a strange time to be alive, but we'll, we'll preview a little bit of that later on in the show. But uh, on this episode, we'll, of course, we'll be talking about the Le Mans 24 Hours Toyota wins, but not the Toyota that people may have thought, given, you know, curses and jinxes on social media. That It was the other crew, the number seven crew, that came through in the end. And also a heartbreaking finish in the LMP2 class with the main highlights of that one. We'll get into that over the course of the show. Some news as well about the future of Hypercar because uh, another big name has committed to the series. And we'll talk about that in a bit. We'll also catch up a little bit with IndyCar from Gateway. All the big news about Romain Grosjean's first oval appearance. And... The championship battle getting blown completely wide open. Thanks, Renus VK. Um, when hit the reset button? <laughs> um, for once, the spin move was something we were not looking forward to. Oh, <laughs> there's a first time for everything. More on that later on in the show. But uh, in the meantime, as you can find us real quick, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. You can find us up on there. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at harrison101hd, at cbuckley917, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. We're on Instagram at motorsport101pod. You can follow us on there, um, you, <laughs> including uh, RJ's recent wonderful 
David Hayter impression, if I do say so myself. Completely off the cuff, and it works beautifully. Um, so that and much more on there as well. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our audio shows. You can upgrade to $10 for the video versions of all those shows as well. And get access to the supporters club of our Discord server, where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded all of the details on that and much more on our website motorsport101.com i put a new written piece up there as well today as well so just get that out as well it's some it's some mid-season f1 thoughts they're always a fun column to write so check that out if you haven't already lots of praise for lando norris lots of messiness in the mercedes situation and a whole lot more so check it out on there as well so without further ado let's get into the main event 24 hours in the morning finally here. We've finally made it to August for the second time in as many years. Lamar isn't happening in the middle of June. And they did it. 51 years after the untimely demise of the Toyota 7 project. <laughs> the untimely demise of two drivers during testing whose deaths, by the way, I should say, should not be reduced to fodder for a sporting superstition that has already been put to bed. If you know by now, the number seven Toyota Gazoo Racing um, GRO10 hybrid hypercar of Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi, and Jose Maria Lopez finally, after second, second, third, the last three years, all sorts of weird ways to have it ripped out. Finally, the curse of the Toyota 7 has been lifted. They ain't pretty it's much about right damn Mike. time. It's about <laughs> damn time. Happy for Mike. Happy for Kamui. Happy for Jose, who it's really doesn't get enough credit. Um, they pretty much led lights to flag. They may have had more competition from their stable mates, the number eight of reigning defending undisputed universal Lama champions. Sebastian Buemi, Kazuki Nakajima, Brendan Hartley. But on the very first corner, the very first lap, Olivier Pla missed his breaking point in the first chicane. And Cam, what what car is Olivier Pla? A very good driver, by the way, uh, starting in this. He's, uh, he's starting one of the SCG 007s from Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus. Yay. Yeah. That's so their sand, race uh... was a little <laughs> bit compromised to start. Yeah, they, um, it, it was a hectic, uh, if, if I'll get into it now, um, a hectic opening lap. Um, we started the Lamar 24 hours in an Arca Breaks Weekly event. Hallelujah! <laughs> Someone we got, get, uh, we got Dre at Arca Break Weekly and it's great. It's a great oh, show. It is, it's so good. Subscribe to them. Um, in fact, our own uh, Patreon supporter, Sasha, brought the smooth jazz while streaming Lamont in our server. <laughs> um, well, that looking house just plowed right into the number eight Toyota, dropped him down the field, and that was about as far as the overall fight got. The eight fought its way back to second place. In fact, got ahead of the seven on uh, the weird safety car rules that we've gone into about 47 times on the show. But... Uh, Final six hours, severe fuel system issues plagued both Toyotas, the eight worse than the seven, limiting their fuel stints and putting an end to that challenge. Well, where was the rest of the class, you ask? Well, the number 36, I can't believe it's not a Rebellion LMP1, 
Alpine A480. <laughs> Challenged early on, held very good pace, but their inherently stunted fuel stint lengths and a pretty amateurish trip through the gravel by Mathieu Vaxivier during the night, doing nothing to dispel my opinion of him as a driver, kind of put an end to that. Uh, they were so far behind they couldn't really challenge, despite the Toyotas with their problems. Scuderia Cameron Glickenhouse, all the talk of the bullshit dropping when the flag drops, all that talk about real racing, well, they never factored into this race. They had the turn one collision. They were at times 20 plus seconds off the Toyotas in the rain. And while they eventually got, yikes, eventually they got ahead of the LMP2 class, but never factored in for the overall win. However, Yost and their drivers, they did a damn good job to get what was clearly a pretty unwieldy car to the flag with no major issues bar a couple repairs and I think one hard reset. Yeah, like the messiest it got for them was Olivier Plague and a very good driver, you know, missing his breaking point on the first lap of a wet track. I mean, shit happens. I, yeah. I will do somewhat of a mea culpa on behalf of Motorsport 101, because you know me, and you know myself, and you know Cam. Mm. We don't like James Glickenhaus that much. I don't think any of us do. But everybody else on the team did a fantastic job. And to finish in your first year with the car, that's an accomplishment that Bicolas hasn't accomplished in how many years have they been trying to do this without even making the checkers? The bar... The bar has never been lower in any measurement in any form of motorsport. That's like saying, oh, yeah, we beat the Life L190 in pre-qualifying. But on a serious note, uh, Yoast Yoast Racing is Yoast Racing. They are consummate professionals. They do a good job. And driving lineup did a solid job. Uh, Pipo Durrani, who I also like to uh, drag through the mud on this show, not from his driving talent. Um, but rather how he reacts wheel to wheel. He was very, very fast. Did a good oh. job. Folks, um, I know a lot of us got to watch this length of ver- this race of various lengths. Um, I was busy wearing a lot of hats, having to cover this event for multiple. You were juggling, my man. <laughs> yeah. Um, whether it was publishing and editing for Daily Sports Car, having to get the sudden assignment to write the final two recaps for Racer.com. Uh, I, I was doing a lot. So what was all, what did y'all, what's y'all's personal highlights of all the shit that you saw? Uh, we I'm- saw, first off, as, as the top class in the first era, year of this new era, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. I myself, this before this race, uh, before this race, I was not expecting any of the hypercars to get to the end with, without major mechanical issues, because you know how that much weight can take a toll over 24 hours. Oh, yeah. But all of them, other than the number eight Toyota with, I'd say, more severe fuel system issues than its sister car, all of them got to the end with no real mechanical uh, drama. Yeah, that was cool. Um, it, it was, like, I must admit, one of my favorite moments was even before the race even started, seeing the Alpine showcase and seeing uh, Fernando Alonso back at Le Mans, which is nothing I never thought I would say. Like, me keen to see Alonso do something on this show? What? <laughs> um, but um, that was pretty cool. Um, um, 
Oh, VA the spins in a car. Yeah, around, yeah, that, around the track, which was cool. man, an F one car through the opening few corners at Le Mans is it hits <laughs> different. <laughs> it does. It's, it's like it's like playing Gran Turismo again on on, on PlayStation because it's the only way you're really going to get to experience it unless you're playing a sim racing game half the time now. So that was pretty cool. Um, again, just seeing these like again, I, I I didn't watch the early parts of the WEC because for those guys who take the piss out of me on Twitter all the time, no, I'm not the big sports guy viewer in here, and I probably never will be. So I didn't watch like Spa, for example. So actually seeing these cars in the flesh for the first time was pretty neat. Um, just learning about the tech and just watching almost like as a as a fan more than I am as a pseudo journalist on a podcast. That was actually quite neat. Um, even if um, it wasn't the most competitive of overall victories, it's still an amazing spectacle. Um, and I was live in here on, on our Discord server when when Matthew put it in the gravel for Alpine, and I'm like, no! Oh, it was I was in here as it was happening, and I was just like, what the hell? That was amateur hour, um, unfortunately. It, the way it's not a good sign when the mm. two most notable things you've ever done at Lamar are. Sending Risi Competizioni almost into the history books by just <laughs> wiping them off the face, wiping their car off the face of the earth going down the Molson in a straight line. And then, given what ended up transpiring with the Toyotas, probably costing Alpine what was a decent shot at at least P2. You know what was wild to me was that I made, I made the statement on the first of many incidents of amateur or semi-professional drivers going off the road. I made the statement, it's like, being a racing driver is hard. And that's why I just talk about them for a living and write about them for a living. Because once it hits sunset on Saturday night, all of a sudden, all the Pro-Am classes, LP2 in particular, good grief. I know they had took a lot of power and downforce off these cars, but these boys were edgy all damn week. <laughs> Yeah, they were really having to run the P2 cars at the ragged edge to get lab time out of them. Because remember, as mentioned uh, earlier this year, the hypercars are so slow that they had to take a lot of performance out of the P2s. And a lot of that was through the corners. In fact, kind of something we haven't seen for a long time here. The top class cars could not pass on P2 cars through the twisty stuff. <laughs> they, they had to yeah. wait. Um, you know, when you're used to, uh, the P1Hs swinging to the outside of a corner and you think that's not going to work and just going right by because they can carry fucking six and a half to one lift to drag yeah. ratio. Right. King, were you um, there for qualifying when, King, were you there for qualifying when Kamui set that 323 and we were just like, wow, that's the fastest thing I've ever seen at Le Mans years <laughs> because it was just like, holy shit, I didn't even know these times were possible. Yeah, like, no, no one, back when they introduced the, you know, specifications for the hypercar category, no one would have thought that people would be able to go this quickly, this early in hypercar. Mm. Well, I just find it hilarious that every time the ACO sets a three-minute, 30-lap time goal, the manufacturer's <laughs> just battering ram right through it. <laughs> every time. <laughs> Every single time. Everyone did it, including the non-hypercar hypercars, like the I can't believe it's not an Orco 7 that Alpine fielded, and the I can't believe it's not a Lola T70 at home that Ghost Racing fielded. Yeah, and um, thankfully, again, 
ran to minimal issues. And an LMP2, going back to that. Um, oh my god, we gotta talk about LMP2. LMP2, oh um, oh my god. Oh. A tale oh. of two races, really, because it was a contest between two absolute top-tier professional teams at the top of the category, being uh, Joda Sport and WRT of Audi fame. But also the Pro-Am category and just how messy this got. Jesus. So let's start with the last hour because I think so WRT has two cars in this race. One of them is fronted by Robin Friends and Ferdinand Habsburg. The other is fronted by Robert Kings Kubica Man. and Lee Delatraz. <laughs> the Kubica, Delatraz, and I want to say who was the other dude in that car? Who was the other dude in that 41? Oh, I should know. It's Yifei Yi of China. Yeah, like, yes. they are they are leading this race in the last hour because the sister car, the Friends, the Habsburg, the Charles Malacy, Super Formula legend Charles Malacy, uh, they had an issue with their air jacks. They could, their air jacks have broken. They have to lift the they car They had to manually. use an inflatable bag to try and get the car up. Yeah, uh, that's which, not good for tire changes, by the way. I so they're losing the last time, time we places. had an air jack failure at Lamar. That's a very rare one. So what they had to do is pit on consecutive laps, once to change the tires, and then they curl around to another lap, and then they have to refuel the car. Or it, either way, it leads to the forty-one car fronted by uh, Kubica and Delatraz and Yi, uh, passing the thirty-one car of Friends Habsburg and. Uh, Malaysi for the class lead, and you're thinking, right, 41 cars got this. Yifei Yi is about to become the first Chinese national to win a class at Lama. Robert Kubica is finally going to get that class win to get his confidence back. Uh, Louis Delatraz can add a real-life Lama class win to his virtual overall win from last year. <laughs> and then on the very last lap, on the very last Another lap Another one. The 41 car, with the race in the bag, slows to a halt. They're not even going to get credit for a third-place finish out of this because they didn't even shake the checkered flag. So then we cut back to the battle between the 31 car and the 28, and now we're rehashing Formula E battles because Tom Blumquist is catching Robin (laughs) Friends by seconds per lap on on the last lap of the race. It's like seconds per sector. It comes down to a seven tenths of a second finish. People are just losing their shit because Friends has to cut to the right side of the track over the line to get around traffic, and he almost clips the flag man going oh, past. God. <laughs> oh, and and who I should note, the, the flag, as is tradition at Lama, uh, the race director waves the checkered flag at the end of the race on the racing surface. Yeah, they, uh, they run out to the to the um, the right side of that straight closest to the pit wall, and they flag yeah. each class home. Um, it's one of the most iconic sights in all of motorsport. Yeah. Well, um, man's almost <laughs> got hit by multiple cars because um, twenty four hour there? race is a twenty four hour race. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone told him um, a twenty four hour race is a twenty four hour race, and until you hit that checkered flag and you cross that finish line, you're still racing. And Tom Blomquist <laughs> had the bit between his teeth because he was driving something that was faster than Neo Triple Three for a change. Yeah, yeah. I think most kidding. of us do that on a day to day basis. 
Indeed. Yeah, 0.7 of a second between the 24 hours <laughs> after 24 hours. Yeah, uh, 0.7 and... of a second over the line between the two of them. Unbelievable finish. Um, I, I would say, unbel- like it was like the second craziest finish of the last week in motorsport. <laughs> that's like that's just how ridiculous it all was. But uh, Flagman had to get out of the way, and uh, that was a, a startling image to say the least. But oh, heartbreak! Yeah. And oh yeah, drama like we're already in the crazy. middle of yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, we're for, already- for so long, like most most years at Le Mans, the finishes aren't close enough. Where the track, the race director has to declare that no, the race is still going. Everyone needs to stay off the track. Mm. And uh, we've had, I think, three of these in the last decade. Where um, in 2011, the fight for the overall mm-hmm. was still close enough that it was they were left still to race. And yeah, in 2017. Odd. With the GT finish, uh, it's, really, it's a quite a spectacle to behold. You have to yeah. feel for the forty-one crew because oh, this is yeah. now the second oh. last lap Le Mans car death in the last five years. The leading oh, car, the leading car in class, man. Like, if you're gonna have a car at Le Mans break, let it break in like the first couple hours so you get a good night's sleep. Damn. Right. Yeah. Oh, you've done the hard bit. You've done all the hard work, and twenty-three hours and fifty-eight minutes into a twenty-four-hour race, you die at the bottom of the Dunlop Bridge. And yeah, poor Dude, imagine how tears. the people at WRT must feel. Imagine how this must feel. They got a one-two finish in the bag, and yeah, the thirty-one car comes back from circumstances where they shouldn't have won to win the race, but at what cost? Their other car just <laughs> died on the last lap. And, and the car yeah, that won the race had to barely hold off a team that had Sean Galale on it. <laughs> the chicken she, man. Cue, cue the camera shot. Cue the camera shot into the garage of uh, the whole crew eating buckets of fried chicken. I'm, I'm telling you, Sean, Sean Galale as the plastic silver discourse driver of 2021 <laughs> is exactly what we need to just remind people like, hey, even if these dudes that are in Formula 2 are just like sucking ass, they're still getting full-time single-seater programs. It probably shouldn't be judged on the same scale as like am- actual amateur drivers, like, you know, the kind of dudes that are just out here using their tech billions to go drive around cars for a few weekends a year. Look, as far as LMP2 drivers this year, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Sean Galeo. As we saw when, um, say, uh, Sophia Flourish reversed out onto the track and uh, caused a major crash going into the Porsche curves. Can I also give a shout-out to to Fritz Van Eerd, uh, CEO of Yumbo Supermarkets, uh, hits the gravel (laughs) just before sunset on Saturday night and lets off a fucking string of expletives like, okay, I know this dude's Dutch, and I know where Matt's picks it up from, apart from his Little League soccer dad. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's... that's... Brutal. I was in the chat um, for that just one as well. Re- it was the longest extended bleep I've heard for a long, long time. <laughs> Folks, any any thoughts on the GTE class as it nears the final curtain and is about to take its final bow into whatever GT3 is going to evolve into by 2024? Well, thank God that uh, the Corvettes 
in their first appearance here with this car, got a BOP break before the race because it ended up boiling down to a fight between the lead AF course, the number 51 Ferrari, and the 63 Corvette. The Porsches, they just weren't fast enough. And the other Ferraris ran into a variety of issues. That's true. Uh, Callum Eilat got in GTM class podium. Uh, in case you're wondering how things are going for Callum Eilat in his uh, in his layover it's year. Um, a, of course, has swept both classes under their own name, and that's the first time that it's happened, and that's wild to me. Um, Corvette hmm. looked good. Um, I'm happy. That they look good with one car. They look good with one car. Second car, I mean, not <laughs> so much. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not going to be the golden years where GT Pro was like the must watch thing of the year of the season. But I am glad that the on track product is still good, and I'm looking forward to the era of GT3 or GT Plus or GT Next or whatever the hell they want to call this. GTH. The H stands for nothing. Um, yeah, it was all right. Um, there's so much BOP gamesmanship in this class that you don't even know who's had got the fastest car until, like, the second hour of the race when it's actually time to show what you've got. But AF Corsa, they run a damn solid program. And um, going, back to, going back to LMP2 and WRT and carrying that across here with AF Corsa and Ferrari... When they get their hands on prototypes. When they get their hands on an LMDH. Oh, buddy. Oh, man. WRT should be first in line for the Audi LMDH project after that kind of performance in LMDH. I think that's a done deal. But, Cam, we also got news that America is coming to LMDH. Finally. They've been waffling back and forth on this. They've been delaying this announcement for what seems like 27 years. Cadillac is officially an LMDH, buddy. With a render of a car that made people go apeshit because we thought they were going with the Peugeot concept of no wings, just underbelly suck. We're going to have to wait and see on that. Of course, it is a render, but given the open arrow rules and you can get to this lift-to-drag ratio however you want, you just can't go over it. Hmm. Might have a rear wing, might not. We're already confirmed it's going to have a new engine. Um... It appears the LS is dead. Long live the LS. We still love you. We still like swapping you into go-karts, RX-7s, oh, and UFOs. <laughs> and, uh, well, if you, anyone listening to this, go on motorsport.com and read up on Cadillac's last Le Mans endeavor, and you will know that no matter how this goes, it will go a whole lot better than that did. You see what we're doing here? We are actually plugging stuff for you to go read on the monolith. This is a first on a, a motorcycle. It is a first. It is a first, but when you see the insight into Check's Notes, a company going into 2000 with a car designed in 1997, you realize just how bad things actually were. <laughs> As you do. But, uh, yeah, Cadillac is here. That is going to be interesting as well. Good to see General Motors getting involved in the series. And yeah, the, the, the fleet it's of about man- damn time. Yeah, yeah, involved. Like this, yeah it's, it, it, the fleet of manufacturers headed into this class in the next couple of years is um, yeah. off the charts. If you're willing to sit through these weird transition years, and if you've been willing to sit through these weird years where 
you know, after Audi quits, after Porsche quit. Remember, don't cheat emissions test, kids. But if you do, make sure you're slick about it. Um, I think yeah, like Harley Davidson. Them, yeah, like Harley <laughs> Davidson. Be slick about it like Harley Davidson. Dude, it's, um, it's, look, it's thankfully, this, this race, as far as the top class is concerned, is about as low as it's going to get. Next year, we've got Peugeot coming in. That car is just something else. It might work. Mm. It might not. But they're trying something legitimately new. Legitimately (laughs) new in this era. For 2023, open the floodgates. Everyone's coming in. We've still got more programs that might potentially be announced in the next uh, couple of months, although they really need to get on that if they want to be ready. Yeah, Yeah, bye, Carlos. Step it up. Where's your hypercar? We're all waiting to see what you have for the next generation. We, we should I'm sure about that. I'm going to be. <laughs> you, you know, I, I wanted. I wanted to enjoy this recording. Um, <laughs> things are looking up. Things are looking things, up. Things are looking up for Lamar, and uh, hopefully, we still don't quite know what the direction is for GT3 esque that will replace GTE going GT forward. Pro. Will they ban factories? <laughs> will they not? We're just going to have to wait and see. Will they have will they enforce pro am lineups or will they not? I don't know, probably. And uh, LMP2, will it be worthwhile to compete in when you can just go buy a top class car? All things we're going to learn the answers to in the next 2 years. I'm just glad that the discourse around this race, as bad as it got, wasn't as toxic as in 2018. If I never hear, if I never have to have it as bad as it was in 2018 between mandated stint limits for GT Pro cars that killed any chance of wheel-to-wheel racing for more than five laps. If I never have to hear about people complaining about Toyota has a win-now button under their desk because they signed Fernando Alonso, it will be way too fucking soon. Preach. As, as a side note, kill the fucking safety car rule that makes people wait for cues and separates the field at this race. It'll be the single biggest improvement that the ACO could do here. And also, I don't mind if you have like a flag man like standing behind the white line that denotes where the track boundary should be. If you still need somebody to wave a flag on the track to get that shot, that's maybe, fine. M- maybe, maybe check the gaps. Maybe check the gaps in the class to make sure eh, maybe no one's fighting for track position or coming yeah. across the line. But like I said earlier, I think the biggest issue is that the person to tell that person, the person to say not to do that is the person waving the flag. It's the race yeah. director. No, just, just, just give him a walkie-talkie. Just give him a walkie-talkie. Be like, Why is can, it you, can I go out? Yes or no? Why isn't Eduardo Freitas in a smooth, sexy voice in the ear of Eduardo Freitas at all times? I know. I know. Okay, Eduardo, we need you to back off of waving this, the flag on this lap. Yeah. Abort mission. Oh, <laughs> send it to him, in the, send it to him in the official WEC stewards discord. Better than expected. <laughs> yes, that even includes the SCGs. Indeed, indeed. Good stuff. That's because we around. expected the worst. In, indeed. You know, it's nice to come off of Le Mans for the first time for a few years on this show with large amounts of optimism. It's never normally like that after a Le Mans review on this show. No, it, it hasn't <laughs> been like that for a few years, and uh, I hope that optimism is well-placed, because uh, I can't go through another couple years of what it was like from 2018 to uh, 
2020. You and me both, oh. brother. This is going to make me start drinking more. <laughs> Speaking of drinking, Gateway. And uh, IndyCar's return to the Gateway Speedway. We had a an interesting race, so we say. I mean, it wasn't the most exciting one in the world, but it did have one enormous championship flashpoint. Let's talk about it. A gateway short oval with massive title implications was IndyCar's order of the day as Joseph Newgarden stole a late march from Patricio O'Ward to take his third gateway victory. <laughs> Penske dominated the weekend, in fact, with their cars finishing first and third, with Will Power finishing third from pole, and uh, Scott McLaughlin fourth. Uh, Pagano, unfortunately, was left with nowhere to go and destroyed his front wing after a dive bomb from his teammate went wrong. Cam, your man's... That, that, that was a half oh, I don't. Uh, no, no, no. He was fully <laughs> alongside and Joseph said bet. <laughs> I'm not the one who needs to get their man's. Your man's yeah. might have won, but go get him, RJ. Okay, though, though, the biggest shock of the race happened midway when uh, Chip Ganassi's two main contenders for the Astor Cup, Alex Below and Scott Dixon, were both collected in an incident sparked by Ed Carpenter Racing's Renus VK. None of them finished the race. Uh, they were able to repair Scott Dixon's car, get him back out there, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, it wasn't enough, and Dixon eventually parked the car, and uh, yeah, effect on the title race. Well, uh, we have a new we have a new championship leader, Pato Award, taking the lead ten points ahead of Alex Pillow, uh, who could take another engine penalty at Portland. So the top five are now just covered by sixty points with three rounds to go. So. Who's winning the Aster Cup this year? I'm just going to throw darts at the wall. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to throw darts at the wall, and, and whatever comes up, that's who's going to win the championship, because I, I don't even know at this point. Can, can, can I just say uh, how far we've come as a series when there's a, we have a five-way fight for the championship with three rounds left, and Marcus Erickson is one of the five. Like, yeah, it's not unthinkable that in minus 60 he could still win this. <laughs> I just... Effie, wow. this is how you make a close championship without group qualifying. <laughs> <laughs> just, just have Look, a Dutchman have go someone... out there and take out the field. <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, Renus... You're going to look real good in Penske colors next year. Yeah. What on, what on, Renus? To borrow a line from Jeremy Cox, and he very, like, actually from Richard Hammond, I'm borrowing a line from him during the Winter Olympics. Quote, he accidentally, but very accurately, took out both of the lead in Chip Ganassi cars. He went in there, he went in there, guns blazing, no hope. <laughs> No way no. he was going to make the corner and blew Zero up Scott and Alex. It was not a good weekend for Ed Carpenter <laughs> Racing. They qualified like shit. It looked like they had good race pace, and then uh, Space Guardian Ed Carpenter uh, wrecks it on his own, and Reynas mm -hmm. VK, while he's charging through the field, uh, has now single-handedly impacted this championship. Um <laughs> Wild. Dixon cried after the race. It was that bad. I, yeah. I, 
the I've last never, time you've seen Scott Netson cry? Like, I, I don't I, have him I, down I don't as even... this... I, I don't have him down as this super emotional driver, and he was crying after being taken out. I just, oh, like, if, if that sinks inside, it's like, you know what, maybe this isn't my year this year. Like, yeah. it's, it's like... And, and they weren't having a particularly great race, but both no. Chip Ganassi guys were just bringing home the points, because that's all Polo really needed to do with the gap that he had. And it's now that gap up. is has flipped around because Joseph Newgarden is Joseph Newgarden and he is very fast when he is not wiping his teammate out of a race here. Um, uh, eat shit. And Patricio Award <laughs> is came very away good. To the top eight. You don't get to complain about it. Uh, yes, I do. And yes, I will. <laughs> Suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> so can your feelings. King, the girls are fighting. <laughs> oh, let me just, um, you know, you know, RJ, uh, you don't, you don't have one oh, of these indie, you don't have one of these indie 500 champion, uh, diecasts, do you? I don't, oh. I, I don't, I've got a, I've got a 2017 championship winner's car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got one of those too, we got one of those too, it's, it's alright. Did, did Cam just make an argument over the size of his diecast? Is, is that what I've just witnessed here? Yes. Like, Gentlemen, behave yourselves, okay? I know your um, Penske gentlemen's are fighting, but no, put, put the cars away, RJ. Behave. <laughs> oh, um, but uh, but but look, um, yeah, Newgarden was fantastic. Did what he needed to do to uh, get his championship back on track. He was going to do some damage regardless, but uh, big damage. Thanks, Renus, and uh, as did Pato. Pato actually had to fight quite a bit to uh, get where he was in the race. Uh, I think he was mm. fifth or sixth. Made a couple really great passes. And uh, it has now set them up, along with Polo, as the three guys who are really, you know, directly in the title battle, given uh, their form this year. This was probably Colton Herta's last outside chance to get himself back in this title picture. And then his drive shaft said no. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he uh, done goofed. Um, the team said that the drive shaft broke and that's why he pitted so they could check it. I would prefer the idea of he was spinning the tires in midair and when they dropped the car and the car immediately shuddered in failure. Yeah, oh, like, like it could have broke before they bring him in, check it, but they still let him out to go continue the race. So they checked it and it had to be fine because they didn't like stop to repair it. They right. sent him back out. Well, well, if you lose a drive shaft in one of these things, generally that's kind of day done. Unless you're Scott Dixon and your team takes a half hour and throws the house <laughs> at trying to repair your car oh, to get every last point. I think was they it did him? three positions. Was it him? Was it him or somebody else? Was it him or Graham that uh, tried to uh, put the car back together with uh, cardboard and duct tape? <laughs> it was Graham Rahal who uh, got wiped out by struggling Emirati Ed Jones early on. Uh, and Graham just, was looking strong? He was. Graham was, was so looking strong. really strong. Graham was actually uh, restrained in his post-race interview. <laughs> I, yeah, it, I, you know, yeah. we, we don't agree with Graham Rahal particularly often on this show. No, but no. he was one hundred percent justified in what he said because this is really going to be the year that Graham Rahal probably could have had a shot at the title, 
and everything that could go wrong did. Yeah, the 500 one's going to come back to haunt him for years to come. And you know, he even even called out his own series on Twitter when he was talking about the heat between him and Jones. And he said, he literally cited IndyCar's website and said, fake news, me and Ed Jones talked it out. As soon as Jones saw the replay, he apologized. It was over. We left it at that. And I'm like... A strangely modest and restrained Graham Rahal. It's actually quite Gra- scary to Graham see. Graham finally, he finally stopped going to bat for IndyCar and went to bat for himself. <laughs> You'll look out for number one, buddy. And that's Courtney Force. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What else happened? What else happened? Oh. Um, Alexander Rossi's best chance to win. Uh, washed up in the marbles in turn two. He got a, a wreck. Felix Rosenquist yeah. suffered a blown engine. Mm. Um, Dalton Kellett had a surprisingly good day considering he got bo- boinked off the road by Ed Carpenter before a restart. Oh, uh, Sebastian Bourdais with a top five finish. Takuma Sato up there in the lead fight for most of the day. But I think the one thing we've got to talk about, because if you hadn't heard already, Romain Grosjean made his first start in an oval and he... Looked all right. Yep. He did damn good. Um, now, disclaimer, a little bit of it was tires. He was on mm. fresher tires than those around him. He was hanging his ass over the ragged edge, making mm. passes inside, making passes outside. Wheel to wheel, he's already got this down. Yeah. If you want to see any- more. If you had any thought that Romain Grosjean had, uh, had, had been hearing footsteps after Bahrain, uh, that that he lost somehow lost some of his competitive instinct. Yeah, just throw that aside. This this dude's committed. He he is gonna he he's gonna he's be so, so good at next year. He was always this good, and I am just very glad that he is somewhere where he can show how good he truly is. And hopefully right. next year, if rumors are to be believed, and he is getting the uh, getting the vaunted Andretti seat. No reason to think he can't challenge for a series title. That's right. If, if he races like that, run the, if he like, runs like that at an oval, no reason to think he might not be able to take himself an Indy 500. That's he, right. He, he has to run the 500, surely. Like, yeah. like I, I think that's yeah, a done like, deal. He, that's a yeah. done deal that he runs the Indianapolis 500. No question. Yeah, because you're not, you're not winning no title without it, and he wouldn't. I don't think he'd even entertain going to a top tier team like Andretti if he was if he just if he just wasn't going to run the ovals. Well, um, you also have to remember uh, Andretti Autosport, Indy 500 or bust. Even if you don't win the title, be competitive at the 500. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely, most definitely. No, like I you said, he, man, impressive. I wish I got a better. I wish he got a better finish out of that because uh, when Rossi mm. wrecked, that accidentally pinned Roman Grosjean to lap down for the rest of the race, and that sucks. Yeah. And he still made some good moves after that, trying to get back up through the field. Yeah, yeah, M- impressive first showing from uh, Roman Grosjean to say the least. And I know we didn't mention it on last week's show because uh, we we had time constraints. But shout out to Christian Lingard last week as well for his performance at Indianapolis. We saw him um, over there making his IndyCar debut. Very, very solid indeed as well on that one. And I'm going to get that sign that man, sign that young man. He looks good in one of these. Yeah. As uh, as a personal side note, um, mm. Scotty McLaughlin. Mm. First time this year, he will look damn good out there. He was fighting in the top five basically all day. First time since Texas that he's looked that good. And I want to yeah. say, like, rookie of the year race, 
I don't know. It could be. It could be really could be close either. come the end of the season. Mm, Hell, Grosjean right. could. It's only twenty three points between McLaughlin and Grosjean, and. McLaughlin clearly has the benefit of a stronger team behind him, but he is also making a much steeper difficulty change of career than Romain Grosjean is. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, um, Paddy Power, what else can I get on Jimmy Johnson for Rookie of the Year? <laughs> what, what, what do you mean the market's life. not available? Um, what do you mean the market's not available for Cody Ware to win Rookie of the Year? <laughs> um... Sadly, we have to also address on a, a, a somber note coming out of IndyCar. We only just got the word on this a few hours ago um, at time of recording that very sadly we lost Robin Miller today. Um, and hes I know he's been battling some health issues as well as cancer for quite a while now. Um, and if it, was, it, was, it was his loving sister that announced him. He was on Facebook earlier today. One of the most important people in IndyCar's history, a beloved and much respected journalist. You may not necessarily have agreed with him, but he certainly was important. I don't think anybody could ever question his love and passion for the series and always wanting to do what he thought was the best thing for that series. Um, the, the stories that we've heard from podcasts, from fellow drivers, from people within the sport and out of the sports, there's one for everybody. Um, you, you, could, you, you could just see the tributes flying all over social media from those within the series, and even some from out of it too. Um, an, an incredible journalist, an incredible impact on a sport that we probably he's probably had an impact in all of us being fans in some capacity. Uh, so, behalf of everyone here, well, much condolences to the, to the Miller family. Um, and Robin, we'll miss you. Um, whew, next week's show is going to be. Wait, I think we should also <laughs> mention because we didn't mention when he passed away. What we didn't mention when when Bob Jenkins passed away two weeks ago. Yeah, Long time IndyCar commentator. It's been a rough week for. Um, we has been a rough week because yeah. we lost. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure those two and. Uh, Bobby Unser are telling some stories somewhere right now. <laughs> they are they're on Might their way. Might a turkey or two. They're on their way to Kroger <laughs> to uh, to just push the turkey around in the shopping cart. That, that's Indeed. one of the best stories off of another <laughs> podcast, which which I listen to. Um, it's fun going back to um, listen to several old episodes, like Robin Miller explaining the story about he he is an IndyCar guy through and through. I mean, he worked for. 30-plus years of the Indianapolis Star and only lost his job because he was willing to say, hey, maybe uh, Cart and the Indy Racing League shouldn't be fighting one another. So by Amazing, then, he's at ESPN, and he <laughs> scoops the two biggest stories in NASCAR the past decade just from shit that a buddy of his told him when everybody else thought he was full of crap. And yeah, look, I know, a, I know the show we... yeah. He sniped the NASCAR media and was the first one to report when Winston was getting out of Cup. And then, months later, was the first one to report that Mike Helton was losing his job in NASCAR. Mike Helton found out that he was losing his job from Robin Miller's article. Oh, the Jodian Palmer. Oh, no. Oh, oh my no. God. Oh. So, no matter, no matter what... Um, those of you who know me, they know that I don't. I often disagreed with Robin. Sometimes I agreed with him on others. 
He was the voice for IndyCar in a very dark period in American open wheel racing history. He was always authentically himself and always stuck to his guns in that respect. Um, one of my favorite memories growing up as a, as a race car fan was watching Wind Tunnel with Dave Despain, um, which if you want if you want to find old episodes of that on YouTube, there are plenty out there. And They're out there. Robin Miller stuff. in the lower third is always listed as guy who's been fired a lot. <laughs> and boy, he was. But watching time. watching the episode after the series reunified and Dave and Robin talking and Robin like barely being able to contain himself because the sport that he loved for so long and suffered with for so long finally began to heal. And uh, we will have stories to tell about Robin Miller for the rest of our time. Yeah. Indeed. Him, God, losing Bob Jenkins as well. I mean, there's, there's a hell of a paddock up there. I'll, I'll tell you that much. A lot of st- a lot of stories, I reckon, that will be told and a lot of fun to be had. We will miss them all very much indeed. Like I said, next week's show is going to be uh, a bit a bit mainstream for our taste uh, because we have the return of both Formula One from its summer break. We'll be having the Belgium Grand Prix. Um, oh, and did they mention that the seventy percent of Spa will be uh, of the area will be raining on Sunday? Has that been mentioned yet? Oh boy! Um, a wet, wet, wet Belgium. That never throws up any exciting racing. Oh no, oh never! God. Oh god, there's cars and tires everywhere. Someone tell Valtteri to watch his brakes. It's uh, so the Belgian Grand Prix, as well as MotoGP, the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, one of my favorite rounds in all of motorsport all year long. I mentioned it before. I will mention it again, just in case this goes out beforehand. Who knows? I'm not going to be quite too sure. If you haven't already, and this comes out beforehand, it's for free on ITV1 in the UK. Watch it. Um, Watch and it! If, if, if you don't get it, get it on ITV Player instead. Support it. Like, I, I cannot stress this enough. Even if it's a repeat, support it. We need Jayon right to do the promotion for this event. ITV! <laughs> MotoGP! Silverstone! Watch it! Watch it! <laughs> Tell him, tell him, like, because Dorda have been very generous, they've given two rounds for free this year, and let's be honest, nobody wants to pay £25 a month to BT Sport to watch this damn sport in the UK. So, go watch it, bump those ratings up, and tell ITV that this is worth investing in. Do it! Thank you very much, it's going to be awesome. A lot of changes coming around just to follow it up. Maverick Vinales will not race again for Yamaha this season. Cal Crutchlow will fucking finish for the rest of the year. I called it. This man is gone. Out of here. Dunzo. Goodbye. Yeah, yep. Maverick's done. Cal Crutchlow will fit in for the rest of the season. It's going to be a hodgepodge of Valentino Rossi and friends at SRT. Jake Dixon will fill in this weekend at a home Grand Prix at Silverstone, which, if you told him that three years ago when he was still in British Superbikes riding an RAF-backed Kawasaki, he'd have called you crazy. Um, but here we are. He'll be Valentino Rossi's teammate for a British MotoGP race at Silverstone. Because, of course, this sport makes total sense. 
Um, so you can check that out. It's 1.30 p.m. on that one. It's it's weird. They they, they put Moto3 on first and MotoGP in the middle. Probably, they're probably doing that to avoid a clash with F1. Um, so, yeah, it'll be the middle race. It's not the main event this time around. Just bear that in mind. But, uh, yeah, Formula 1, MotoGP, Belgium, Silverstone should be a fun time. But basically, you can find this one more time before we get out of here on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101 or on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101 or on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101 handles at harrison101hd at cbuckley917 at Ryan Eric King at RJ O'Connell. Motorsport101 pod for the Instagram page, website motorsport101.com and patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gives you early access to all of our audio shows, upgrade to 10 for the video version and live access and the supporters club of our Discord school server we'll be back next week robin we'll miss you but until then i've been dre harrison they've been rj o'connell cam buckley and ryan eric king until then sign out there's the checkered flag for alan he's done it he's the champion at 92 but <laughs> we'll miss you too rest, bob rest in power to robin to bob to bobby answer and to those poor, poor turkeys. <laughs>